Welcome to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast. No gimmicks, no satire, just a little bit Arsenal. Hello, good evening and welcome to the latest edition of the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast. Um, tonight's show, I'm very pleased to say I've got We've got on uh, the show with us the man I like to call the, the Podfather. It's uh, <laughs> our very own Andrew Mangan, otherwise known as Ask Blog. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, we've also got Callum. Hi, guys. All right, and Rick. Hello. Good stuff. Great. All right, so we're going to get right into the meat and bones of it all. Um, Andrew, um, you you watched the game on Sunday. It was a bit of a disappointing display, if, from my opinion, anyway. Um, what did you? What's your reflection? What did you make of the game? Uh, how we played, and yeah, that sort of stuff. Happened. Yeah, I think like most people, I was a bit disappointed with with how we played because uh, certainly we we've shown we're capable of better. Um, but I didn't come away from it thinking there was a huge gap between the two sides like we have seen in in previous seasons, last season, and certainly when there was the. Uh, the 8-2 a couple of seasons ago, you, you looked at the two sides and, and it, it felt a bit like the gap was sort of insurmountable in, in certain ways. And I thought, clearly we missed certain players, Rosicki in midfield, uh, not so much Mertesacker at the back, even though I'd, uh, I'd prefer to have him there, but just, uh, you know, there, there just seemed to be a bit of a lack of energy and uh, what have you in the, in the final third. So I, the result was disappointing to, to concede the way we did as well was quite disappointing from a set piece. We've been really solid from those most of the season. Um, but it, you know, in general, I didn't see a great deal for us to be, you know, terribly worried about from a United point of view. Um, if we want to compare ourselves to them and maybe they're not as good as, as they used to be, but certainly we're a lot better than, than we used to be. We didn't play very well. Neither did they, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a, a corner that, that settled it. So disappointing result, but not not something to get hugely concerned about, I don't think. Yeah, I suppose it wasn't a case of men versus. Well, I remember Patrice Edward made that famous, that infamous uh, comment about you know it was about you know it was like facing boys, with, you know. Mm. But um, I think yeah, we it was definitely. I, I think they were there for the taking. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, we didn't take them, but. Yeah, I think we can move on from this, and I think it's it's, it's how we respond really that 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 will um, that will be the greater test. Uh, Cal, what are your reflections? I mean, yeah, I was obviously hugely disappointed, but I think, and especially after the highs of Liverpool and Dortmund, but you know, I have to agree. I don't think you know. I think it's clear that the gap has been closed significantly, and um, you know, United played like Everton did last season. You know, Everton at home uh, for us last season was the last time we didn't score. And it was a very kind of David Moyes-esque performance from United, and it just stopped us playing. So I guess you have to give him credit for that. But at the same time, you know, we'd, we'd come off the back of two very grueling victories, especially the one in Dortmund. We had a lot of injuries, especially to our wide men. And, you know, when you see like Mesut Ozil not even been able to string a few passes together, then you know it's not really going to be your day. So, you know, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I don't get that kind of horrible feeling that I used to get when, you know, we'd lose to United. It feels a bit like we've we're going to bounce back and it's not going to be a catastrophic result like it has been in the past. So disappointed, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world either. Sure. Um, uh, Rick, um, we're going into a, a, an international break. 
do you think it's come at the right time, you know, recharging the batteries and getting some injured players back? Uh, well, as it, as it looks, as it appears, it could have come a week earlier, actually. But, um, yeah, obviously, you know, we're, we're close to getting Walcott back, I think, and I, I'm not sure about Podolsky, but I, I think we could use Walcott and, and giving us a little extra week for for him to get a little match fitness uh, would be great. Um, maybe get over this illness, too. I don't know if the, some Manchester folks poisoned our guys with some Manchester superbug and Murtisacker's patient, patient zero, but they certainly <laughs> seem to be affected by the illness as they played. And uh, we just didn't seem up for the game. Uh, on the flip side, Manchester didn't play that well either. And, and Moyes saying, hey, that's one of our best performances of the year. Well, great. Then I think we're okay. <laughs> um, there wasn't much between the teams, and other than I noticed uh, the only thing that you know compelling to watch about it was the I guess Manchester's defensive display. They they were very disciplined. They never got caught out. They never over overcommitted. Um, it was a pretty disciplined performance by them. You know, even though we weren't playing our best, probably made them look better than they were. But um, yeah, I think we can use the rest um, and and get some people over their illness and uh, and match fit. Yeah, Andrew. Um, in yesterday's edition of the London Evening Standard, they suggested that Mesut um, Özil is in need of a rest, or, or you know, to, or to be handled with care. Um, you know, uh, James Olly suggested that you know he's 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 fitted in seamlessly into our uh, into our team, which is quite rare, even for someone with a big price tag. I suppose if you remember, Burkamp and Henri struggled a bit when they first come to sort of make an impact. Uh, and now, in the last three games, he's sort of kind of gone off the boil a bit. Um, what, what, what do you make of um, Edzil's um, start to his Arsenal career? It's interesting that you mention Bergkamp and Henri because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought to reference that. But you know, when you mention it, it took Bergkamp a number of games to score a goal. Henri the same, and, and uh, Özil has come in and done really well from the start. I think he looks a bit tired, to be honest. Um, uh, there was so, some suggestion that he was suffering from illness on, on Sunday, and I was watching the replay um, the day after the game of the, of the ball that Aaron Ramsey sent over the top. And if he just jumped a little bit, he could could easily have scored a goal there. So uh, clearly there was something up with him. I think he's been a, a really big positive um, just from what he you know brings when you when you see a player like. Like Urzel coming out onto the pitch um, as the opposition, you know, it, it does kick in a bit of fear to you. I think with any player, um, the best players can adapt and, and can learn new football and, and learn new uh, new ways in a country. But I just think sometimes we forget the human element of it, that it, it does take a while to get used to a new country and new teammates and a new club and new, even just new match day routines. And I'm sure Arsenal do things differently than they did at Real Madrid. And a lot has been asked of him because we've had Walcott out, Podolsky out, Cazorla has been out. There's been a an immediate burden placed on him, and for the most part, I, I think he's he's responded well. Uh, I think when we get some of those players back uh, and, and he settles in a little bit more, I think we'll see more from him. You know, I can't really have any complaints about him, but uh, he does just look a bit tired. I think. Mm, indeed, um, Cal. Also in that report, they said that. Um when you look at his Real Madrid career, he doesn't, he didn't actually finish that many games. Um, so I don't know if the suggestion is he, he sort of runs out of, he runs out of gas at mm. you know, quite often his fitness levels or, or, or not quite up to, to mark. But, um, do you think that's something that we need to watch for that Wenger and the coaching team need to watch for? Or do you think? Yeah, I'm sure they're aware of it. And I remember I heard that accusation thrown at him a couple of times that he's not 
the fittest of guys and, you know, he struggles to complete matches regularly. But, you know, um, as Andrew said, you know, it takes, I think we underestimate sometimes how long it takes to, to settle into a new country. You know, we kind of expect £40 million players to come in and, and set the world on fire straight away. And to be fair, he has played extremely well for the most part. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think he's also come in in, in a period where we've really struggled for injuries. And um, even even his debut against Sunderland, Wenger even admitted that he didn't really want to start him, but he kind of had to because we had injuries. Um, so is, is he, has he not missed the Germany game this week because of illness? Is that not was that not the story yesterday? Yeah, there's so, a suspicion yeah. that he, he might do. But, but once we get, um, I think, hopefully, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to rotate him a little bit and uh, take the burden off him. And I'm also sure when we get guys like Walcott and, and Podolski back so the pitch can actually open up a little bit, we'll get some more width, that's when we're actually going to see him really excel because, you know, when we haven't really got that guy kind of trying to run behind the defence, it's quite difficult for him to play those three balls because they're just yeah. not on for him. And... Um, Going back to the Sunderland game on his debut, I mean, he's, he had that great assist, what, 10 minutes in for Giroud. And he also, yeah. Theo could have had a hat-trick that day because the amount of times he... Pl- I mean, obviously, Sunderland's defence isn't the best example to go off, but at the same time, when he had that outlet that was always looking to get behind the man, he could always find that space. So I'm just... Um, I mean, I've, everyone was excited to see Cazola and Ertzel play together, and, and I'm just excited to see Ertzel and Walcott, to be honest. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Um... Let's move on to the, you know, we're getting up to the, the the first, the end of the first trimester now, so we can start looking at, you know, how, what, what, what you know, how we, how we played up until now, and you know, uh, what we expect going forward for the rest of the season. So, um, Andrew, can you give us your first trimester report? Since you're an ex-teacher anyway, you should be quite well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure teaching English to young Spanish kids is uh, is the same. I, I think it's gone better than I expected, to be honest. If if uh, anybody told you that you know we'd be sitting top of the league uh, at this point uh, of the season, you know, I think you'd have been laughed out of town. Um, particularly after the after the Villa game. So for me, it's gone much better than expected, and and I don't think you can really underestimate the importance of a good start. You know, the last few seasons we've started poorly. We've been playing catch-up the whole time. Uh, we've had no margin for error, and it affects the the mood. Uh, puts pressure on the team and the manager, of course. When you know you're you're trying to rectify mistakes early on, um, I think the response to the Villa game, because the, the the outpouring of emotion, shall we say, after that game was was quite visceral, and um, it felt like a frustrating summer was being reenacted on the pitch, and it, it really could could have gone badly instead they dug in they won all those games on the trot uh, and you know we were in a position on Sunday playing Manchester United where we could have gone 11 points clear of them um, yeah. the reality is we lost the game unfortunate as that was and we maintain a five point gap that's a place where I really didn't expect us to be um, so I think you've got to you've got to say there's there's room for improvement absolutely but you know um uh, a good A, I think, you know, c- considering where we are. Good stuff. Um, Rick, um, we've had a great start to the season, considering, as, as Andrew said, do you think we can continue it going forward? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say we can get even better. Um, I think we, we've all discussed we've been missing Walcott, we've been missing Podolsky, we've been, you know, burning out Giroud because of that. And uh, I, I think Walcott, even though he's inconsistent, I think his his pace opens up the pitch for us. And um, 
you know, players a little more time to gel together, I think it can get even better, um, barring, obviously, an in- injury to Giroud and, and overexposure of uh, Podolsky or somebody up top. But um, I, I'm optimistic. I really am. And, and it is a good feeling to be, you know, a five-point gap between us and Manchester, even though it could have been 11. It's, it's still a good feeling, and we shouldn't get too down about the loss, the recent loss anyway. Indeed. Uh, um, Cal, you. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, as Andrew said again, we wouldn't. <laughs> after the Villa game, it really did feel that this was the you know, the last place we were going to be at this point. And um, you know, already this season we've had some great victories. You know, beating Spurs when you know they came to our place, having spent 110 million pounds, and you know we we deserve that win. Um, the Dortmund victory was arguably the best result away from away from home in Europe since the Bernabeu in 2006. And you know, there's so many. You know, obviously we can all talk about Ertz and how big a signing he's been, but. I mean, everything's been said about Ramsey, but he has just gone up seven or eight, you know, just at new levels. Um, Giroud's been better than he was last season. Sanya looks like the player he was two or three years ago, and we wondered that he might not, you know, reach that again. Chesney's come on, so there's all these individual performances that is happy to be, you know, to be happy about. We've had some great results, and you know, a lot of people are questioning whether we can win the title, but it's just so nice to actually be involved in it because. You know, over the last couple of years, we're normally by this point, you know, ten points adrift, and uh, you know, you can, you kind of, you know, in your heart of hearts that it's over already, and yeah. we don't right. have the quality to compete. Okay, I just want to um, <coughs> read you guys the um, the list of, uh, of fixtures we've got um, coming up in December. We've got on Sunday the eighth, we've, we've got a home game against Everton, followed by an, uh, the final Champions League uh, group game against Napoli. Then the following Saturday, we've got Man City away. Uh, on the 23rd, just before Christmas, we've got Chelsea, and just on, on Boxing Day, we've got West Ham United. Do you think that is? <clears throat> do you think um, we'll be able to negotiate and navigate our way through that run of fixtures without, um, you know, running, you know, uh, without um, too much hindrances or mishaps? Or do you think that could even present a bigger, uh, a harder task, a harder run of fixtures than we've had recently? Uh, Rick, let me go. With, let me go to you. Uh, again, I'm optimistic that we're getting some players back from injury, so hopefully we won't have to expose the same 11 to every game. Especially, I think, um, even though we're not intimidated by, by Marseille, I think if we beat them at home, I don't think we have to uh, play our, our, our first team against Napoli. I think we can go to Napoli, and, and I, I think it'll be wrapped up by then. We probably don't have to go there trying to get a result. So we might be able to rest people there and, and prepare them for, you know, Chelsea and, and City and whatnot. So, um. But do you, do you not think, do you think, you think we'll, that, us going to, to Napoli on the last match day of the, or, or last group match day, that, that would suggest that you think that, um, Napoli will knock, um, Borussia Dortmund out of the proceedings in the, in, in the, in the fifth, in the preceding match day. Because that would have to happen and then it would be just, you know, Napoli and ourselves going through. Yeah, maybe I, ha- my, I haven't gone and done the math, so maybe I'm <laughs> overestimating uh, Napoli's. Uh, if you know, if they get if they get beat by Dortmund, uh, I don't know if they're still in it or not. But but my point is, if we, I think if we beat Marseille, we don't have to wor- anything to worry about when we go to Napoli, do we? No, I think if we basically the only way we can qualify in the next round is if we beat Marseille and Dortmund fail to win. But if mm. Dortmund do win, then we need to go to Naples and get a point. Obviously, providing Dortmund beat Marseille, but I think the way this group's gone, it will go down to the last game. But we've got enough to get a point in in, in Napoli. I'm not too fast about that. 
Mm. Um, um, Andrew, um, <clears throat> centering the conversation around the Napoli game, but talking about the whole run of, of games, do you think that's a hard, a, a harder run of games we've got coming up? You know, and then you know the possibility of having to go to Napoli to to get something. What, what are your what are your predictions or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to play these games at some point. You know, going into December, hopefully we'll have Walcott back and Podolski back, which will add some freshness to the squad uh, and and bring the squad something that it doesn't quite have at the moment. You know, that outlet that Walcott gives us in terms of pace, um, you know, decent delivery from the right-hand side from time to time. Podolski, you know, good down the left. Uh, again, his delivery is good. He's, he's good at shooting from distance. And I think we're, we'll need... Uh, to use the, uh, the squad sensibly and carefully, you know, to get through that period. Um, you know, they're tough fixtures. Uh, Everton are good this season. Man City and Chelsea are title rivals, very good teams, big squads. So, you know, I think we've got nothing really to fear from any team this season. I haven't seen any team this season that's made me go, well, you know, shit, I don't really fancy playing them. You know, which isn't to say these games aren't, tough games of course they are you know they've, they've got great players and, and good managers um but you know i think we, we just have to get our heads down and get on with it and at the moment you know even though the united game um was a bit disappointing what you said is uh how we respond is going to be uh the key thing and if we can build a bit of momentum going into those games then you know I don't see any reason why we can't come through them with, with decent results. I mean, I don't see us winning them all, but, you know, draws in those games against uh, against Chelsea and, and Man City would be would be good results, regardless of whether they're, they're home or away. I'm a little bit worried about Southampton, I have to say. You know, people keep forgetting. People look at it and go, it's only Southampton. But, you know, yeah. you look at the way they've been playing this season, you know, it's they're not to be taken lightly either. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, okay, so moving on from that, or seamlessly on, on, on to the next <laughs> subject. Um, let's talk about, um, it's a bit early to be talking about it, but we might as well because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, an ongoing um, subject, is the um, January transfer window. Um, what do we think? Do you think we'll spend big? Do you think we'll spend at all? Which areas do you think we'll spend? Um, start with you, Cal. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it hardly feels like the last window's finished. You know, it kind of the transfer talk dies down for it seems like I don't know two months, and then it just already it's beginning to pick up pretty quickly. You know, um, you know, it's hard to say what we're going to do because I mean, all all, all summer we thought we weren't going to buy anyone, and in the end we ended up buying you know, the second most expensive player in British history. So it's kind of we don't really know what's next. You know, what what Arsenal? You know, is it going to be the Arsenal of old in the transfer market, or is it going to be the same Arsenal that? Went and bought us over forty odd million, but no, I think I don't think we'll do anything too spectacular. You know, a lot of people are saying we should go in and bid for Suarez again, or go in for someone like Balotelli. But you know, these sort of transfers don't really set, uh, you know seem to happen in January. I mean, obviously you get the odd one like the Torres and Carroll transfers uh, three years ago or so. But um, I, I would be happy with a, you know a decent Premier League striker. I think it's, it's I think we can we should go big in the summer for a, a, an expensive world-class striker if we can get them but um in january you know i'd be happy for us just to bring in some sort of capable half decent striker that's pretty much a better option than bentley you know that's kind of all i'm really hoping for and someone like denver bar if we did go back in for him uh christian menteke would be actually i think a great player um and he you know he's not cup tied either in the champions league so um but i do think perhaps benteke that kind of player 
that, that kind of profile is about as high we can hope for. I, I certainly wouldn't expect us to go in for a Suarez again or anyone like that. And um, I'd probably predict that a striker would be our one and only signing. I don't think we'd buy much else. Um, Rick, over to you. Do you think uh, which do you do you think um, we'll go big or go small or? Uh, well, it's January. It's hard to say. Uh, typically, not a lot of not a lot of business is done there, especially by Arsenal. Um, and really, I mean, we we had all summer to get a striker, and we couldn't get it. So all the all the strikers we couldn't get in the summer are going to be the same ones we can't get in January. So I don't I don't expect this necessarily to go big. Um, so I don't really know what we're going to do. I know there's talk about getting a striker even from Ivan Gazidis, but. Uh, it depends on what's going to be available, and I think people are going to be reluctant to sell to us based on our position, which which is a good place to be in. You know, people are threatened by us now, so you know, like you know, Mourinho held back Bob because he didn't want to give us another threat, things like that. So I really don't expect much to happen. Um, I'd love us to get a a world class striker, but again, my expectations are understanding the January window. I'm not expecting a whole lot. Um, Andrew, which specific areas do you think um, need address, need addressing? I, I think, uh, yeah, obviously a striker, and like most people, I think that would be that would be where we should spend um, the focus on on Giroud at the moment is because we don't have any option. We're using Bentner, and 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 the only reason we're using him is because all the other options are are, are out of action. Walcott, Podolski, Sonogo, who probably would have you know, at least been on the bench a few times. So I'd like to see a striker. I certainly don't see us spending big money. Um, you know, from what I hear, there's a, not that there's concern, but, you know, the the, the club um, are maybe a little worried that people think every signing we're going to make now is, is going to be £40 million, and I don't think that's the case at all. Um, it, it depends on, on what the manager thinks I guess uh, as well it depends on the fitness levels in in uh, in January whether we've lost a couple of players here or there I personally wouldn't be averse to us also bringing in a center half mm-hmm. um, because I think we're just a little bit light in that area and um, we've got plenty of players who can score goals in in the team if you look at uh, Kozorla, uh, Urzel, Ramsey uh, Walcott, Podolski, uh, Giroud, Oxlade-Chamberlain, when he comes back. So I don't necessarily think goals are really the issue. Um, I would just worry what would happen as well, you know, if we got a little injury to Mertesacker and a suspension for Koscielny, something like that. So maybe that as well. But I think a lot will depend on on um, on where we are uh, and how far the manager might want to push it. You know, he might actually look at, the, the league position in January if we're there or thereabouts and think right if I spend some money on a striker that could that could make the difference between you know winning the league and not winning it but um you know you just hope that we, we could we could add uh, just add a little something to the squad to freshen things up in, in the second half of the season sure. <clears throat> I just want to ask about your friend Mick Bentner he's been in the <laughs> uh, he's been in the press recently once again taken a lot of flack for his comments. Um, we've discussed it um, this week, haven't we, Cal? <laughs> About, you know, yeah. what, you know how the did the press sort of, um, you know, twist his words and whatnot and so on and so forth? Or, or is he really that much of a liability and he's just really, he's just going, you know, he's, he's, I don't know, he's just lost the plot. What, what, what do you reckon, um, Andrew? Um, 
I think, you know, it was a bit much for him to complain about being called back to Arsenal on the final day or, or on transfer deadline day when he had all summer to find himself a new club. And it's not that there weren't clubs interested. It was other clubs that were interested he didn't fancy or the money wasn't good enough, and, and that's why he didn't make the move. Um, so for, for him to, to complain about that, specifically seemed a bit off to me. I can understand why he's frustrated by it, but, you know, make the move a bit earlier in the summer. I mean, we, we've been trying to sell him for a couple of years now. You know, I, I, I thought for a long time, or I still think that there's, you know, a talented footballer in there somewhere. Um, but he, he just doesn't do himself any favors uh, with the way he talks, even when he's, you know, trying to, uh, express his seriousness now by the way he's taking his career. He says something like, I I'm training harder now than I ever have. You think, you know, come on. You know, there's no, <laughs> you should be training like that. If you're serious about your football career, you should be training like that, you know, from the time you're 16. So I think he is kind of the last of a, a sort of a dying breed at Arsenal, that sort of self-entitled, uh, slightly spoiled player. You know, we've seen a few of them before who who were well rewarded perhaps above the the level of their talent and their application suffered because of that uh i think i think that's the case with him but like i said the only reason he's anywhere near the team at the moment is because all the other options are out of action uh, and that's just about it uh, and arson Wenger, you know isn't going to cut his nose off despite his face because if Giroud picks up an injury tomorrow what do we do who have we got he's got to play him and he's got to He's got to use him, so uh, he's got to keep him relatively sweet. But he's got no long-term future at Arsenal. Let's not make any pretense about that. Mm -hmm. Cal, quickly, I mean, you, we've discussed. Yeah, this week. I mean, my, the only point I kind of I defend him in is that he's not quite the, you know, the devil that some people make him out to be. And yeah, I think it's just quite to the point now. I'm kind of immune to anything he says. It's just kind of, you know, more of the same. And you know, we all know this is a short-term thing, and that. The next opportunity, we, you know, we like to think that in January we'll buy a striker and he, he'll be on his way, or, or at least at the summer. So, you know, I think his comments, are, some of his comments are a bit rich, and uh, he's got a, a big ego on him. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's a, on a it's a, you know, we need, we need him. You know, we don't want to have him. He doesn't want to be here, but we we need to have him just in case. And, you know, you'd like to think that Sonogo would have gotten some more games and. Would have offered a little bit more than Benton has at this point, but um, you know it's, we're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. But hopefully we can you know get ourselves through to January and we won't have to worry about him <laughs> too much longer. Cool. All right, um, Rick, I'm going to hand it over to you. You've got some questions from the forum members. Go ahead. Sure, sure. We got uh, the first question is uh, is the fun one. Um, what do you think has been uh, Winger's Wenger, Excuse me. Yeah, my American accent. <laughs> Wenger's biggest mistakes in the last eight to nine years, and do you think he's rectified those recently? This is for me, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, well, God, you know, that's um, that's really quite difficult. You know, I think he, he probably the biggest mistake is only one that you see in hindsight, and it was trying to build a team of young players together, and I could see what the idea was. I think most people could see what the idea was, but uh, I spoke a little a few minutes ago about the, the self-entitled footballers that we have that I remember Ivan Gazidis talking about how they, they're, you know, they give players contracts based on their potential um, because they wanted to keep them, because they wanted to build this team together. But the, the, the fallout of that, the consequence of that, was that you had guys who had done very little in the game 
earning a fortune and kind of thought that they made it. And you could see it in players like maybe someone like Carlos Vela is a good example, you know, who, who loved London and loved the nightlife in London, but on the pitch really didn't do a great deal. And he sort of had a, a, a resurrection at Real Sociedad. And that's probably come from a realization that, you know, you've got to work hard as a footballer, but at Arsenal they were slightly cosseted and, and looked after a bit too well, and there was a, a generation of footballers um, that grew up like that. I think they, the balance was always wrong. Uh, maybe it was Sesk in the recent interviews that, that spoke about it. Uh, he did the interviews with The Guardian, and he said, you know, uh, there weren't the experienced heads there to uh, to guide them, um, yeah. that too many of the senior players left in a hurry. So I could see what the manager was trying to do. You know, when, when finances were restricted uh, in the transfer market, he tried to build this group of players together. I think the other big mistake that he made for me was having a player as good as Cesc Fabregas and not doing everything he could to build the best yeah. team possible around him. You know, we, we could have signed or we tried to sign Xabi Alonso um, one, one transfer deadline day and that fell through. So for me, the fact that we never really had the team around Sesk that he deserved and that I think probably would have brought us trophies, um, you know, that was a big mistake. Ga- making Gallas captain was another mistake as well for me. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, though, that um, the fact that he didn't bring in, you know, some well-established stars was down to the whole, you know, the prudency having to you know, get make, is it 25 million a year profit or something like that for X amount of years or something like that to help mm-hmm. pay off? I mean, do you go in for any of that, or you don't? You think we could have? There was enough money. He should have spent it. You know, no, you know, he didn't have to spend it excessively. But there was enough money to build a, a better squad. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think some of the, the the signings that we made weren't great. You know, um, we had to cut our cloth. I don't think we probably spent as much as we could have, but I don't think we were ever capable of going out and spending twenty five, thirty million pounds on a player. You know, like uh, some of the board said at the time, I just you know it doesn't strike me as as right because you could have got you know two three two or three ten million ten million pound players for that. So um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think maybe he's you know he's a stubborn man. Um, I think you have to be in certain ways to be a football manager. You have to believe in what you're doing. Uh, but what's interesting is that over the period of the last couple of years, particularly since the the Old Trafford game, since Fabregas left and Nasri left, the, the age of the signings has been, you know, steadily 24, 25, 26 experienced players. He's, um, he's brought in some youngsters, that's absolutely true, but these guys are now coming into a team that's experienced, where you look at someone like Serge Nabry, who's going to come in, and who's he got to learn from? Because Orla... Urzel, you've got Ramsey, Arteta, you know, uh, Mertesacker, Flamini, these guys who will guide him and will help him in games where, whereas previously the, the kids were kind of looking at each other going, well, I don't know, so we'll <laughs> just make it up as we go along. And sometimes it worked and a lot of times it didn't. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the, to go back to the original question, has he rectified, you know, the, the big mistake? I think, yeah, he's doing that. Uh, and uh, we're seeing that seeing perhaps the benefits of that given where we are on the table right now. Cool. Very good, very good. I could go on about uh, his mistakes and his economic look at everything, but uh, <laughs> we value your time, so I'll move on to the next question. Um, 
we didn't we didn't prep you for this one, but since we already talked about the January window, I'm going to throw this one at you. Uh, Bakary Sanya, um, the guy has suffered two broken legs and has returned and is playing uh, pretty good football again. Where would you rank Sanya in your all-time Arsenal right backs? He'd be right up there, I think. Um, I really love him because he's just so consistent. He had that difficult period after he, you know, had the leg breaks. I think people kind of forgot about it in a way, you know, that he, he had his leg broken twice in the one season and, and the following season didn't have a good pre, you know, didn't have preseason and his form suffered. And, and for the first time since he arrived at the club, his, his performances were a little under par. Um, he's just a fantastic defender, and you don't see it any better than when our backs are to the wall when we're down to 10 men and you need somebody in the box making header after header. That Was it last season against um, Sunderland when Ramsey ended up at right back and, and Sanya was thrust in at centre half? And he was just brilliant that day. That was amazing. Amazing. Um, so, you know, I mean, they've been brilliant right backs down the years, you know, Laren and Dixon and, and, and Pat Rice. You know, he's he's right up there, I think. You know, he's a fantastic player. I think the sad thing is is that he probably fancies uh, a move away, you know, for the final couple of years of his career, maybe back to France or, or maybe somewhere else. Um, I'd love to see him sign a new deal because I'm not sure that Jenkinson is, is ready uh, to step up uh, if he's ever going to be, you know, fully ready to, to, to be the, the right back on a regular basis. I'd love to see Sanya stay because I, I think... The value of experience in a team uh, can't be underestimated. But yeah, I, I really love him. I have to say. Do you I, think? Do you think then that it's, 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 your your feeling is that he wants to move, or you think the club aren't willing to offer him a two year deal? I think, I think he wants to go. That's the, the the feeling I get. It's not so much about the deal that's on offer from Arsenal because um, even though we we do have this policy of over 30s players I don't think it's as strict anymore you know mm. I think if yeah yeah so I just you know you can't really begrudge a guy who's given you what seven or eight good years um, hasn't really won anything mm. um, wanting to go somewhere else for the final years of his career if he wants not so much for a for from a monetary point of view um, you know but if he went to PSG for example or Monaco he could make you could make a lot of money. I just think, you know, again, coming back to the human element, sometimes players just want to experience something new, and he doesn't have another chance, um, you know, to do that. He's 31 now, maybe, I think. Um, yeah. You know, and to be able to leave Arsenal on a free, having given great service to us, uh, and to have his pick of clubs, you know, around Europe, I wouldn't begrudge him that, even though I really want him to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, last one will be easy. What is your best Arsenal memory? Um, uh, the best one. I don't. You know, there's so many great ones because you know you think of all the the trophies and the times we've won things. But I just the one occasion that kind of sticks in my head more than anything is is the Champions League final um, in Paris because of the day that we had. There was a lot of us from Ars Blog met outside a pub in. In, in Paris, it was an Irish bar, and we played football on the street, and someone kicked the ball into a car, and it wound down the window, and it was Alex Ferguson in the car, and lots of people were calling him <laughs> names. And uh, and the game itself... Not you, <laughs> no, no, someone threw was, pizza. You know, uh, well, I wish, I wish. <laughs> um, and there was, you know, the game itself, and I remember at the end, even though we'd lost, just, you know, looking at that sea of yellow and Arsenal fans and feeling incredibly proud... 
Um, and then I had to get the, the train back to Barcelona because <laughs> I was living there at the time <laughs> with all the Barcelona fans. Um, oh. And I, you know, I just thank the Lord for for iPods because I could just put that on as they were singing things at me because I was the only Arsenal shirt on the train. Uh, so, you know, even though we lost, it was just a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant occasion for the club and, and the, the run that we had getting there. You know, I was mm-hmm. in the in the Bernabeu that night that we won, and you know, it was just amazing, amazing. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. All right, um, any more questions, Cal, for Mister Mangan? Oh, you've caught me off guard here. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm just too engrossed in that. Um, <laughs> I suppose we haven't spoken about the Wenger contract, have we? Really? Oh, that was one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have one. Uh, quickly for 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 us American Gooners who who didn't get to grow up with the sport or you know grow up with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've I've read Fever Pitch. Um, what other media would you recommend somebody to to familiarize them, themselves not only with the club but the culture around the club as well? Uh, if only I knew of a book that contained lots of pieces. Uh, oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> There is, I mean, there is, there's a load of books, actually. Um, there's a, there's a guy called Greg Adams who runs a publishing company called GCR Books. Um, and what he does for the most part is republish old Arsenal books. There was, I think, um, uh, biographies of, of Cliff Baston and Herbert Chapman and, and things like that. So I check out that website because there's some good books on there. Um, which won't necessarily give you a great deal of insight into the culture of the club currently, but uh, a good insight into the way things used to be around around the club and certain player biographies, um, you know, very much of their time. Uh, but you know, it's it's a perspective that's very difficult to find, I guess. You know, just you wouldn't find it trolling the web, for example. Um, right. So that would be good, and there are obviously Arsenal uh, Arsenal history books around. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have a look at those. Um, have a look at those books because they're just unusual. You know, there's something a bit different because you know you can read the history of the club anywhere really. You know, um, to whatever depths you like, depending on on where you're reading it. There's good websites and, and what have you. But but check those out. GCR Books. That's the the website. Okay. All right. Final question from me is: If it wasn't for Maito, which alcoholic beverage would be your favourite tipple? Your favourite poison? Oh. Um. I'm uh, yeah. I'm sitting here with a glass of wine, but you know that's that's just standard fare. I think you know I'm a a, a big fan of uh, bourbon, so any bourbon-based cocktail will do it for me. Good old-fashioned is uh, is always welcome around these parts. Cool, good stuff, great stuff. <laughs> All right, um, it's been great having you on, uh, Andrew. Um, an honour, Mr. Podfather. Oh, well, thank uh, you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we'll do it again in the future. Okay. Sure. Uh, anytime. And uh, yeah, so guys, you know who he is. It's at askblog. Um, and you know, go to the askblog website, listen to his podcast. He's he's the man. He's been the man. <laughs> you know. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Andrew. My pleasure. Honestly, thanks a lot. Thank you. You have been listening to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast. 